0: Well, for those of you who have never been here before or, or just have started coming here, uh, we've been kind of on a hiatus, but one of the things that we do here at Heights is we've been going through the Bible in five years' period of time. This is actually our second go around to it, and we're in year two right now. And, um, we take kind of a hiatus probably from about Christmas time till about right now, because we're at the very beginning portion of our reading for year two. We actually start tomorrow. Woohoo! guys need help. That's all I can say is you guys need help. So if you want to follow along with us, we have the entirety because we're going through the histories. And so we're going to have the entirety of our reading plan for 2024 in booklets that you can find on the information desk. They are free for you. So, to, so grab one and and take it with you so that you can Follow along with us. We read the Bible together six days a week, and then our sermon is in whole or in part based upon our reading that we've done during the week. Uh, There's another way you can follow along with us. You can go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Heights Christian Church, and what we do there is we do a devotional based upon our reading for the day. We read the entirety of the scripture for the day. So you're caught up. It's not like we're cheating. Uh, but we actually add a little bit more to it to bring some application to your life so that you can see what the Word of God says and how it still applies. So either way, that way you're coming in and, and we're on the same page together. We're, we're growing in our faith and understanding of the Word of God together. And today marks the introduction of those first three books, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. And this is a sermon that is titled... The unfinished, the undone, and the faithful. See, the one thing you may not know is that the span of these books, from Joshua to the end of Judges, is about 400 years period of time. That's a long time. To give you a reference, that's the entirety of the existence of Of the concept of the United States, if we go back to the colonial times. If we go to the Plymouth, you know, and the Mayflower, and over at Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts in 1620 till today, it's 404 years. That's about the length of time we're looking at when we're looking at Joshua through Judges, okay? Just to give you an idea. And we're going to be comparing. The history of Israel with the history of the United States, because I believe that there's some really good parallels between these books of the Bible and what we're going through in the United States concerning our history, both what we know and don't know, and where we're at today. A lot can happen in 400 years. Really can. So we're going to start with the unfinished And this is the book of Joshua. The Joshua is the unfinished. It sounds kind of weird to say the unfinished, but it's unfinished for one reason. When they started conquering the land of Canaan, they did not finish during Joshua's lifetime. As a matter of fact, God had told them ahead of time they weren't going to finish in that period of time. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 17 through 24, we read these words. That God says to the people of Israel as they're getting ready for the conquest. It says, you may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials and the miraculous signs and wonders and the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed he will give their kings into your hand and you will wipe out their names from under heaven no one will be able to stand up against you you will destroy them so we read that god tells them you're going to go conquer the land but you're not conquering it all at once how many of your instant gratification people raise your hand So we have nine truthful people and the rest liars here. I got you. So we'll pray, we'll pray for you on that. Guys, we're all instant gratification We want things yesterday. Come on. We want things right now. And and here's the thing. We're kind of two generations into the very privileged generation. I'm, I'm part of that privileged generation. Okay? You go to my dad's generation. I had it a little bit harder. You start, you start seeing some real changes. What do I have? You know, son, when I was growing up, I had to get up and change the channel with my hands. Really? I mean, seriously, is that, is that what I have to say? Because honestly, when I think about all the advantages that I've had growing up, I, I didn't have it that bad. I had all these privileges that were instantaneous for me. The idea that I have to wait is, a, is just kind of a strange phenomenon, right? We don't like waiting because we've grown up in a very instant society, and as instant as it was that I was growing up, it's even more instant now. It's not just getting up to change the channel. I don't have to get up to change the channel. I can just watch everything right here, right? Just put it on my phone and off I go. I can have everything that I want accessed so easily. Everything's at my fingertips. And technology can be a wonderful thing. I'm not trying to diss technology, but what what it doesn't do is gives an appreciation for something that is hard fought. We tend to think of history, right? within the context of our current reality. Not necessarily so. Let's check out Joshua chapter 13, because here in Joshua, about the first 12 chapters are all about the conquest. The Chapter 13 and on changes, and we don't have any conquest. We have the, what God is wanting, the breaking up of land, and how they're going to, to uh, do that as a people of Israel, because Joshua is already at the end of his life when we get to, Joshua 13. So Joshua 13 to the end of Joshua is a very short period of time. And so Joshua 13, first seven verses says this. And when Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you're very old. (laughs) Thanks, God. Uh, And there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains, all the regions of the Philistines and the Gersherites, from the Shihor River on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north. All of it counted as Canaanite, the territory of the five Philistine rulers in Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Goth, and Ekron, that of the Avites. From the south, all the land of the Canaanites, from Ere of the Sidonians, as far as Aphek, the region of the Amorites, the area of the Jabalites, and all of Lebanon to the east, from Balgad below Mount Hermon to Lebo Hamath. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon to uh, Mizrephath, Mayam, that is, all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance as I have instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and the half tribe of Manasseh. So it's from this point we see there's still more to do. Your life has been used right now that you have you have gone from being Moses' aid to leading my people, and you have conquered this much, but there's still a lot more to be conquered. This is what happens at the end of Joshua. So at the end of Joshua, we have this job that is well done, but unfinished, right? I mean, Joshua's famous proclamation at the end of the book, bearing his name, ends with the reaffirmation of the people of Israel to follow the Lord. We know these verses, or we have grown up, if we've grown up in the church, these verses will sound familiar to us because it's the charge to remain faithful to God. Starting in verse 14 of chapter 24, it says this, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers, your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your forefathers served beyond beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who who brought us and our fathers out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So this unfinished business, Joshua is bringing this before the people of Israel and say, reconfirm this covenant that you're going to finish the job, right? Right? Because it's unfinished. This is the heritage for which the people of Israel could look back on and say, This is how
1: our country was established. Right? When you and I think of our country, we don't think of 13 colonies, do we? We think of 50 states.
0: And for most of us here in this room, that's all we've known, that we we have lived in the United States, and the United States have always been 50 states. That's me. There are some of you here who can remember when the United States was 48 states. How many of you can remember that? Raise your hand. Some of you remember, you lived at a time when Alaska and Hawaii, those last states in 1959 being entered into the Union, were not part of the United States, not as a state, but as a territory. That's all they were. We had 48 states. Because we don't think about our history quite that way, do we? That foundation. And yet, for us to have 50 states in the Union here in the United States, that took Nearly 200 years, if we count from 1776 and the first uh, colonies to be called states to the time of 1959 and the last to be called states currently. As we know the United States of America, that's nearly 200 years. And much the same way, little by little from the east coast moving westward, we started seeing the conquest of this land in much the same way as Israel was conquering Canaan. Little by little, piece by piece, right? And yet at the same time, a lot of us don't understand how our nation was truly founded because it's not taught anymore in the schools. It's found very easily online. Did you know that 12 of the 13 original charters from the ones that would be colonies and eventually states, 12 of the 13 mentioned God specifically in their charter of creation? Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that 9
1: of those 13 specifically mentioned Jesus Christ? Let's read a few of these. This might surprise you. Delaware, first state,
0: its charter was in 1701. And all this can be found online. You guys can check it all out. What's interesting is this is the first part of that charter. First, number one, this is what's most important. Here's what it says. Because no people can truly be truly happy through under greatest enjoyment of civil liberties, if abridged of the freedom of their consciences as to their religious profession and worship, an Almighty God being the only Lord of conscience, Father of lights and spirits, and the author as well as object of all divine knowledge, faith, and worship who does only enlighten the minds and persuade and convince the understandings of people, I do hereby grant and declare that no person or persons inhabiting in this province or territories who shall confess and acknowledge one almighty God, the creator, upholder and ruler of the world, and professes him or themselves obliged to live quietly under the civil government, Shall be in any case molested or prejudiced in his or their person or estate, and because of his or their conscientious persuasion or practice, nor be compelled to frequent or maintain any religious worship, place, or ministry contrary to his or their mind, or to do or suffer any other act or thing contrary to their religious persuasion. Basically, if you believe God, we're going to leave you alone. You'll be able to worship God how you want to worship in this place. That's what it's talking about. That's not the only thing that it said. The very next paragraph says this, And that all persons who also profess to believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, shall be capable, notwithstanding their other persuasions and practices in point of conscience and religion, to serve this government in any capacity, both legislatively and executively. He or they solemnly promising when lawfully pr- required allegiance to the king as sovereign and fidelity to the prop- proprietary and governor and taking the uh, 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 attests as now established by the law made in, at Newcastle in the year 1700 entitled an act directing the attests of several officers and ministers as now amended and confirmed this present assembly. Well, that's something you don't hear every day. The whole idea that number 1 we want everybody to be able to worship God and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ you can serve in the government. Was the last time you heard that happen? That's a different thing, right? But that's the history of our nation whether you want to believe that or not, you can look it up. This is public knowledge. New Hampshire did not have a charter they had an agreement. In 1639, it says this, and they actually mention Massachusetts, I believe, in the middle of this. Um, Whereas, it has pleased the Lord, I'm taking the half out of it, I know they spoke in kind of colloquial, and New King James English. I'm taking that out for your guys' sake. Um, Whereas it has pleased the Lord to move the heart of our dread sovereign uh, Charles, by the grace of God, King, to grant license and liberty to sundry of his subjects, to plant themselves in the westerly parts of America. We, his loyal subjects, brethren of the church in Exeter, situate and lying upon the river of Passacatwa, with other inhabitants there, considering with ourselves the holy will of God and over own necessity that we should not live without wholesome laws and civil government among us of which we altogether are are altogether destitute. Do in the name of Christ and in the sight of God combine ourselves together to erect and set up amongst such government as shall be our best discerning agreeable to to the will of God, professing ourselves subject to our sovereign Lord King Charles according to the liberties of our Uh, English colony of Massachusetts, and binding of ourselves solemnly by the grace and help of Christ and in his name and fear to submit ourselves to such godly and Christian laws as are established in the realm of England to our best knowledge, and to all other laws which shall upon good grounds be made and enacted among us according to God, that we may live quietly and peaceably together in all godliness
1: and honesty. Wow. What, what an amazing proclamation. That that was New Hampshire. That's, that's what they were as an original
0: people coming together saying, this is how we are going to live as this community of people that would become a colony, that would eventually become a state. The Carolina Charter of 1663, which would eventually break into North and South Carolina, but the Carolina Charter. After listing those responsible and under whose authorities the charter was initiated, then states this being excited with a laudable and pious zeal for the propagation of the Christian faith and the enlargement of our empire and dominions have humbly besought leave of us by their industry and charge to transport and make an ample colony for our subjects, natives of our kingdom of England and elsewhere within our dominions, unto a certain country hereafter described in the parts of America not yet cultivated or planted and only inhabited by some barbarous people who have no knowledge of Almighty God. That the Carolinas were created for the purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people
1: that didn't know God. That's the charter. That's the original creation. Not only have we forgotten it, we, we don't talk about it. Furthermore,
0: this, further in this charter it says this, and furthermore, the patronage and... Uh, sons of all the churches and chapels at which, as a Christian religion, shall increase within the country. Isles, inlets, and limits uh, aforementioned shall happen hereafter to be erected together with license and power to build and found churches. Chapels and oratories in convenient and fit places within the said bounds and limits, and to cause them to be dedicated and consecrated according to the ecclesi- ecclesiastical laws of our kingdom of England, together with all and singular the like, as in ample rights, jurisdictions, privileges, prerogatives, royalties, liberties, immunities, and franchises of what kind soever within the countries, isles, inlets, and limits aforementioned
1: going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're going to build churches. That's the charter of the Carolinas. Our declaration of independence and constitution were
0: created with these charters in mind, being endowed by our creator with certain unalienable
1: rights. Among those being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. See, that only comes from a Christian worldview.
0: You guys get that, Right? An atheist worldview doesn't have those rights. An Islamic worldview doesn't have those rights. A Buddhist worldview doesn't have those rights. Uh, and a Hindu worldview doesn't have those rights. The Constitution doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, John Adams said that our Constitution is for only a moral and religious people. It is unfit for anybody else. And religion to our founding fathers was that of the Christian religion, not just religion in
1: general. We've forgotten that. It's beyond us. But this was the beginnings of
0: us. And this is what we see in America. All of these seeds that were planted created many opportunities for growth. Because our country's never been perfect. I would agree with that. How many of you would say our country's perfect? Our country's never been perfect, right? We're not going to get perfection until we go to heaven. But it planted the seeds for things like the first great awakening that happened in the 1730s and 1740s. George Whitfield and the like. And it's from that that we see the Revolutionary War and Independence come forth because of such a Great Awakening. Which led again to the Second Great Awakening, which is noted to be somewhere between 1790 and 1840, which that set the seeds for the abolition of slavery.
1: Women's rights to be able to vote. All of that going on down the line. As a matter of fact, it
0: might be uh, shocked to some of you guys, but did you guys know that the idea of under God in our uh, pledge allegiance did not exist until the 1950s? That before then you saw it was said this I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So, sounds Weird saying it that way, doesn't it? But some of you remember that. Because it was in the 50s that we added the two words under God. As a matter of fact, it didn't appear on our coinage until the Civil War, and it didn't appear on our paper money until the 1950s. Around 1957, we started seeing in God we trust. All of that was made possible because of the Christian heritage that lied underneath. And so while we've never been, quote-unquote, a dedicated 100% Christian nation, we've been a Judeo-Christian nation, we've had unfinished business, haven't we? Much like Joshua did. We had the opportunity to share the gospel. We've seen the gospel propagated. We've seen the gospel change lives. We've seen the gospel change culture. But it's been left unfinished. Which leads us to the undone.
1: Which is what we find... In Israel, in the book of Judges, because it didn't take them long to forget about everything that they just committed to. I'm sorry,
0: it's just the truth. We read in Judges chapter 2 these words. Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 19. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. And the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the, name of his, in the land of his inheritance at timnath Hares in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Geish. After that, a whole generation had been, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals and they forsook the Lord and the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt and they followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook Him and served the Baal and asterisks. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them, and he sold them to their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. And whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them they were in great distress. And the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. And unlike their fathers, they quickly turned from the way in which their fathers had walked, the way of obedience to the Lord's commands. And whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, The people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. And so we see in Judges a turning away almost immediately from the promise that they made to Joshua. It's like, we made this promise, we're going to serve God. That lasted until he left the room. It's like children in your house. Now, you're going to promise. You're going to obey your parents right now. We're going to go off. We're going to go have a dinner. Your mom and dad are going to go out and have dinner. So you guys behave. I don't want you having fights in the house. I don't want you guys shooting Nerf guns around electronic equipment or anything like that. And we're going to go out and have a nice dinner. It's like as soon as they walked out the door, they're like, let's get it on, right? And you come home
1: and everything's destroyed, And then the punishment comes. I didn't hear you say that.
0: Parents, you understand what that is, right? That's a lie. That's what that is. And this is what happened with the people of Israel. They stopped telling their kids about the Lord. So there's a whole culture that grows up that doesn't know the Lord or what he's done for Israel. Israel. They're all serving all the other gods. And we see this downward spiral happening throughout the book of Judges. About 300 years worth of time we're looking at here. And the book of Judges ends on a very, very distressing note. Last verse in Judges chapter 21 verse 25. In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit.
1: And the SB puts it this way. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They had forgotten about God. In a very short period of time. They had gotten into practices that were worse and worse and worse as time went on. Does that sound familiar? Doesn't take long for people to forget about God. We had... Religious instruction in our schools all the way into the nineteen sixties. Bible was being taught in school as a basis and foundation of
0: morality and religious faith and and just Christian duty to your country, actually. Good citizens were considered to be Christian. But we started seeing the dismantling of that in nineteen sixty two with the taking out of prayer. 1963 with the taking out of the Bible for religious and moral instruction. The Ten Commandments in 1980. We got introduced to the sexual revolution of the 1960s. The Christian foundation and heritage that had been a part of our country for 200 years and
1: more, when you go back to the Puritans, was being lost, is being lost, is being undone.
0: There are some of you who remember the Bible being in school or teachers talking about the Bible in school. Now only 8% of all students have ever heard any verse of the Bible from any of their teachers, even from a literary
1: standpoint. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. So
0: drastic, the change in our society that the candidate, Obama, when he was running for his first term of president, said these words less than 50 years later from these court cases in the 1960s. In 2006, he said this, Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We're also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. Challenges to the Christian faith have only abounded and multiplied over the subsequent years. No longer can Christian families hope that our nation's institutions once recognized as tied to the Christian faith to be an ally for Jesus in the public sector. Whether school, workplace
1: environment, or government official and policy. We're oftentimes on our own. Does that kind of reflect the society you guys see?
0: Much like the people of Israel, we now live in a society that on the whole has rejected God
1: and does what is right in their own eyes. Makes you excited about getting in these books, doesn't it? But the truth of the matter is, we can learn from it. Because not everything is lost.
0: And that's what I want to encourage you guys with, with these last few minutes where Judges li- lives in this area where I believe you and I live. Ruth represents the faithful. The unexpected place to find faith. So when we look at Ruth chapter 1, we're introduced to Naomi and to her two sons, Orpha and Ruth. Or two two sons, two daughters-in-law, Orpha and Ruth. Uh, Ruth. Her sons die, and Naomi is left by herself, And the book of Ruth talks about this historical journey that happens. Verse 15 of chapter 1, we see this. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So here's something to think about. Here's Ruth, and she is talking to Naomi. Naomi is part of this family that has a compromised faith. You know why? Because they married Moabites who don't serve the Lord their God. Orpha and Ruth come from Moabite families. When the sons are dead, they are now put in the care of Naomi. And Naomi's first inkling is say, go back to your people, go back to the gods that you serve. This is not exactly the greatest foundation of faith. Wouldn't you agree? And yet, at the same time, what we see with Ruth is somebody who says, no. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you go, I'm going to go. Don't let me go away. I will stay with you and be
1: faithful to your God. And we see a faithfulness founded in a place that's not expected. That's you and me. We're right here in this place, not expected
0: to be faithful in a time like this where everything's going crazy around us. And look how God honors that faithfulness at the end
1: of Ruth. Listen to this lineage going down from, from Ruth. Verse 18. And this is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the
0: father of Ram. Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon. Neshon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, who would marry
1: Ruth, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, who would become king of Israel, and be known as a man after God's own heart. That from the faithfulness of a family that perpetuates through generations, they change not only their family but the culture around them. See, if we want to see God change this nation, then we need families who have been so
0: transformed by Christ that they affect future generations. We know where we are in the annals of history right now. We see all of these markers that show us, man, this is really similar to that time. But there's some good news in the middle of this. We can be faithful and God can use us to change his culture. We can be faithful where we are right now and God can use us to change his culture. And it starts in our own families by creating a family of faith It starts in our communities. When we start seeing the community of faith as so important because it's from this community of faith that we create culture around us to be faithful to that of Jesus Christ. How many of you parents and
1: grandparents worry about what your children have to endure because things have changed so much? Raise your hand. I want to give you some encouragement and some hope right now. And for those of you who are youth
0: or young adults, I want to give you an understanding of what God has already prepared you for, to give you confidence that you, at this time, are in the right place, right time, no matter how hard it may seem, God has uniquely equipped you for this time. Acts
1: chapter 17, Paul is talking to the people at Mars Hill He's walking around the city and he's burdened because
0: it's a culture a lot like ours. All the different gods and idol worships that are there. And he runs across this statue that just has a frame and it says to an unknown God. And with all of that there, Paul goes to the people of Mars Hill, the thinkers, the philosophers of that day and age to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says some profound things that I think are, should be a comfort for you and me, even amidst the hard times that we find ourselves in. Starting in verse 24, he says this, The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives men, all men, life and breath and everything else from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live and God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he's
1: not far from each one of us. God determined the exact places and times for which we would live. It's on
0: accident that you live at this time. It's on accident that your kids live during this time or your grandkids live during this time or were born into this or that family. None of that is an accident. It is all determined by God because God knows where, where and when they might be most apt to reach out for Him, to grope for Him and
1: find Him. That's got to be a comfort to you. Man, to the kids that you have, Why were they born to you?
0: Because that's where God believes that that's the best place where they're going to reach out for him, grope for him, and find him. But the same is true of your neighbor, the child down the street, the classmates that you have. They're born in those families as messed up as they may be, as messed up as our families are. Because that's where God has determined where that would be the best place for them to reach out and grope for him and
1: find him though he's not far from each one of us, doesn't mean they will. But that possibility is there because God has placed him there. And that makes you and I uniquely equipped for this time. That makes your children uniquely equipped for their time. Your grandchildren uniquely equipped for their time. And that's got to be a comfort for you. And should be because the God who sustained Ruth and her families in faithfulness while the world around them was going trash, right, can sustain your family too and create a culture of belief that can affect the culture around you. But it takes a
0: dedicated faithfulness to want to see that change. It takes a not forgetting of the Lord on a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis and not neglecting of the gathering of the community of believers for which the culture of faith to the greater world around us
1: only has access if we deem this important. And yet, I've seen Jesus change lives. Mine foremost. You guys want to see the world changed? I do. Do you believe God has placed you in this time
0: to see that change? It may not come in our lifetime. We may not see the, the, the tides that have been rolling for a while now. We may not see those changes happen in our lifetime, but you and I being faithful to God and creating that culture within our family within the community of faith and continuing to be faithful will someday raise up a david who's going to change everything you know maybe we have that third great awakening during our lifetime you know why because you and i decided to be faithful Because you and I decided that this God that's we are serving here, we're not going to forsake Him, we're not going to deny Him, we're going to live no matter how else the culture around us lives. And you know what? We're going to create a faithfulness
1: there that people are going to see Jesus in me. And when that happens, man, watch out! Watch out! I'm excited because of the time in
0: which we live. I'm excited because God has you and me living in this time for a reason. We think that this is all craziness that's going on, right? As if this caught God off guard, that this was going to happen. No, God knew this was going to happen. He knew that was going to happen to the Israelites. And you know what? He still honors those who are faithful to him. You believe you can have a difference in this culture if you stand for Jesus? I believe you do. you can. I believe God has called us to go out and make disciples, and he's called us to make disciples now because now we're the most equipped to make the disciples of this generation just like our sons and daughters will be of the next. So don't give up. God wants to use you. Just stand with me we got unfinished business because the world is a little undone right now. So we got to be faithful. It's why we're challenging ourselves this year. It's why we want to see change in, in the lives of people around us. And so as we started last week, we're going to continue all through this year. This portion of, of the front, this altar area right here is for you to come and pray for those you're going to reach out for Jesus. You know why? Because you are uniquely equipped for this time, this age, right now to see that culture changes. There's somebody you want to pray for, to come to know Jesus, a family member, a coworker, somebody else. This area is for you, just you. You guys come up and do that. Our elders are going to be on the side for other prayer requests. You can come for those things as well. Our prayer warriors, uh, Elizabeth and Dave, are going to be up here as well. If you are a little hindered and you're like, it's hard for me to get up front, and you just want prayer from where you're at, raise your hand. They'll come to you as well. Let's believe that the God who made such amazing changes through the life of one faithful family and changed the culture can do the same through us despite our world being unfinished and undone, God is faithful. God, thank you so much for our time together today. Help us in the name of Jesus reach others around us for Christ. We know it's hard, but you know what? You've uniquely equipped us. You knew exactly when we were going to be born, where we were going to be born, that we might reach out, grope, and find you. But that's the same for every single person we meet, and that should be a huge encouragement to us that we are uniquely equipped for sharing Christ to this generation. Help us to do so with boldness, with the love and compassion of Jesus. Let us see this world change no matter how long it takes because we
1: remain faithful to you in Jesus' name. Amen.